Code Fund Podcast Network. Welcome to the Chaos Cast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health. Elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software from the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or CHAOS for short, project. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com chaos. Welcome to our next episode. This is episode four. I hope you've been with us on this new ride, on this new adventure. This is one of your panelists for today, Matthew Broberg. I am a editor at opensource.com, a site owned and run by Red Hat. And with us today, we have Venia Logan, co-founder of sociallyconstruct.online and inventor of the chaos metric social currency metric system. Welcome. Hello. We also have Sean Goggins, professor of computer science at the University of Missouri, Chaos co-founder and board member, and initiator and maintainer of the Chaos Augur project. Uh, Good morning. Hello. Welcome. And we have Georg Link, my handy co-pilot on this podcast, also the director of sales for Vitergia, Chaos co-founder, board member, and co-lead. Hi, everyone. And joining us today, we have Ray Paik, Community Manager at GitLab, co-founder and board member of Chaos. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And Manrique Lopez, CEO at Petergia, co-founder of Chaos and product owner of Grimoire Lab, our subject for today. Hi, thank you for having me here. Um, Good afternoon from Spain, probably good morning in the States or whatever you are. (laughs) Perfect. Thanks for joining. And last but not least, we have Valerio Cosentino. Senior software developer at Petergia, maintainer of the Grimoire Lab projects, and maintainer of many other things, including being a mentor of the Google Summer of Code. Hello. Hello, everybody. Awesome. All right. With all the introductions, we're so happy to have you all here and to learn more about Grimoire Lab and how it fits into the Chaos Project overall. So to jump right in, what measurement tools exist in the Chaos Project? Maybe we can start with that context. I think I can just do a quick introduction and let uh, then Valerio into the details of the technical stuff. But basically, Grimoire Lab is a toolkit. So there are several tools involved in Grimoire Lab. That is, uh, the objective of the tooling is basically to gather data from the different tools that people are using for participating in open source communities and software development in general. Also, to process that data to produce valuable data that could be consumed through dashboards or reports or even Jupyter notebooks or whatever tools you want to connect to that. So, those are the three main aspects of the tooling. The idea is to have a tool that is able to gather data for not just JIT or GitHub or GitLab, it's also going through mailing lists, Discord forums, Slack channels, and to have a more holistic overview of the community, not just just the people that is doing code, but is also contributing in many other areas of the project. But I think the right person to give you into details, because as you introduced me in the beginning, I'm the CEO, so probably I'm the less technical person in the call to answer these questions. I think Valerio can provide you some more details of the tooling themselves. Okay, Grimoire Lab is basically a toolkit. It's an, I mean, it implements an ETL process, so we extract data from 
many data sources used in software development. So we have uh, we can get data from Git, GitHub, GitLab, Meetup, and many of other tools used in software development. So once we have this this data, we store it in uh, in Elasticsearch, that is a NoSQL database, and then we process it. The final data that we process is then shown in the dashboards. So with these dashboards, we are able to drill down on specific aspects of the projects. And for instance, we can know easily the number of commits uh, in a given time frame, or we can get more complex metrics like uh, the time to merge a pull request or the time to first answer an issue. So the main components of Grimoire Lab are Percival, that is in charge of collecting data from uh, software repositories. And then this data is passed to Elk. Elk is the component that is basically on top of Elasticsearch. It takes care of, of loading this data from uh, Percival, process it and store it in Elasticsearch. Then we have a nice component that is sorting out, that takes care of dealing with uh, all identities information that we can get uh, from uh, repositories. So sorting out deals with important problem in uh, when, when mining uh, software repositories, because we can have uh, the same person can have different identities in the tools used by the project. So Sortinat is, is a relational database that takes this information about uh, the single contributors and aggregate them to profiles. And this aggregated information is then shown in the dashboards. So the dashboards are able to tell you where your contributor, your contributor is active. So for instance, if he's active on, on Git or in other parts of the projects. And basically, that's all. This is uh, Grimoire Lab. So just to recap for those following along. So Grimoire Lab is a tool chain that allows us to gather data, enrich that data with context, and then visualize that data. It sounds like a pipeline of different tools from the collection of it to the correlation of users all the way to the visualization. You know, Sean, I know you really love to get into like how to gather data about community and then visualize it. You know, how, what is this making you think about in relation to the, just the complexity of that work? I think what Grimoire Lab does really well is present data to users quickly. I think they have a dashboard system that allows them to gather data and present it to a user really, really quickly and with a lot of diversity because of their use of Kibana. And that's something I think in terms of visualization that isn't present in other technologies that, that we have as part of the chaos project. So I think they do great at that. That's awesome. That makes a ton of sense. And, you know, another question that's kind of out there as we think about Grimoire Labs in relation to these other parts, there's, you know, there's this entity known as Batergia that we talk about in relation to Grimoire Labs. And then there's a tool called Batergia Analytics, I think. I'm actually getting confused and I'm pretty close to it. And then, of course, this is called the Chaos Cast because it's part of the Chaos Project. You know, Georg, can you maybe give us some context on how those all relate to each other? I get this asked quite a bit, actually. So there are four terms here that I want to put into a relationship. One is Chaos, the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software Project that we are all part of, that this podcast is part of, that Grimoire Lab is part of. So this is the community. Biturgia, the company, is older. Biturgia itself is eight years old as a company and it came out of university research before that. And they were developing tools to analyze software development projects, which then turned into the Grimoire Lab tool. And so going back, the relationship between Chaos and Grimoire Lab is when we started the Chaos project, 
three years ago, Biturgia donated the Grimoire Lab code base and tool to the Chaos Project and thereby co-founded the Chaos Project. Now, Biturgia as a company is using the open source Grimoire Lab project for their own services. And that is the Biturgia Analytics service, which includes hosting the Grimoire Lab, maintaining, updating it. It includes doing training. It includes consultancy. So the whole package that Biturgia offers using Grimoire Lab as the tool behind everything is called the Biturgia Analytics service. So that is how these four terms relate. Chaos is this community where we all come together. Biturgia is the company that co-founded Chaos by donating Grimoire Lab. And Biturgia offers its services under the Biturgia Analytics brand. That's incredibly helpful as we think about that. Maybe, Manrique, can you go tell us a little, like, why open source? Like, why is that relevant to what you're doing with Biturgia and with Grimoire Lab? Oh, that's a very interesting question. And I thank you very much for making it because I think this is the core of the of Viterja from the beginning. And to give you some perspective, we are starting doing research about analyzing open source communities in 2001. I think it was when the first paper about counting things, uh, we published that. And it was because David Wheeler from analyzed the size of Red Hat as a company and the, as a community. It was that year that, okay, 2000 has arrived. We have this company that is doing Linux and open source. And we were just young people. Well, we are still young, I think. <laughs> we were just young, young people uh, committed to open source at that point. And it was like, okay, why not analyzing not just Red Hat, just analyzing any open source project to give another sense of transparency. Starting by, okay, we are being transparent because we are so in the code. But if we can analyze how the code is being developed, we are going far beyond that in terms of transparency. So we started doing research on tooling, Metrics, an important part of that from the beginning, because from the beginning of the research team that founded Viterja has been about open source development should be measured using open source tools, because it's what we are committed to, right? I think that's, that answers the question. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. It's, it's part of the foundation of what you're pursuing, and it ends up adding value as you see this larger community consume it and elevate the metrics. Now, Venia, you, you're... Uh, co-creator of one of those metrics, you know, when you look at the Grimoire Lab toolchain, like, what do you see? Like, how does that add value to what you're looking to achieve with it? So I created the social currency metric system, and I was gracious enough in episode two of this very podcast for us to actually be able to implement that into Grimoire Labs had a really, really important role in that. And I found that there was this technical aspect that was incredibly terrifying as a beginner, as someone who wasn't really a part of the community at that time. But it became a lot softer and a lot easier to get involved and start actually using the Grimoire Lab infrastructure. When I had your kind of go through and say, hey, here's how this works, here's what it does, just focus on this one thing, just focus on this implementation. And I find that a lot of analytics system, even outside of Grimoire Labs, have that same notion. The difference, I think, between Google Analytics and uh, Grimoire Labs is that the package is a lot more full and a lot more versatile. So to see my metric, the social currency metric system, 
be added to this absolutely wonderful pool of metrics that have real world impacts and are built individually with care. It was an absolutely amazing experience to see. And I I believe the social currency metric system, we are planning to have a Google Summer of Code project for this. So by the time this episode is being released, we will know whether or not that has worked out. Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure if we should be mentioning that, but at the time of recording, we're pretty excited to see the social currency metric system actually go from being a metric in Grimoire Labs to being implemented in Grimoire Labs, which is pretty awesome. Well, I have a question for either Manrique or Georg. I mean, as as you noted, Georg, I mean, Biturgia or Grimoire Lab has a, I mean, pretty long history, like about eight years you, you mentioned. Like, how have you benefited from joining Chaos a couple of years ago? What have you been able to gain from being part of a larger community? I mean, obviously your community has been around for a long time, but just wanted to see if there was, you know, other benefits or is something different that you gain from, you know, working with other software communities and related to metrics? Well, one of the good benefits that you would have, I guess, is basically we have now Gear Pass of Viterja. So that's good. one good thing thanks to Chaos Community that met people that is valuable for us as company members also. But regarding <laughs> the community, <laughs> regarding the community and, and the project itself, if you imagine when we started and I mean, the company probably nine, eight, nine years ago. We are not even living in the center of Madrid. We are living in South Madrid in a town that is usually not that known because any technology around. And it was like, okay, we are creating this thing that I think is, we think that is important for open source to, to create valuable uh, assets and, and valuable information because one of the main points here was about, okay, if someone is saying that my project is healthy or not, you need to provide the data and the tools you have used to use that, to create that data as a credibility point of view. So it was like, who is going to believe us? That we are just a small company, a small group of people setting up something. So when we started working with companies, for us was good because we have a good network of friends that were interested in this. But at the point that this chaos initiative started to be discussed in, inside Linux Foundation, that is, and it, and it was already one of our customers there, it was like, okay, this, this could be important because for us, from the beginning, our as ambition or as a goal, or as a mission of the company was we want to be thought as if someone thinks about, I need some metrics for my project, they should be immediately thinking about Grimoire Lab. So having that as part of one of the reference projects in, in the world to do to do this, it was like, for us, it was easy. The discussion was, should we donate? Because it was not even our code. We have released the code as an open source. And as we always say, once you release something as open source, it's not yours anymore, it's for the community. So being that, under the umbrella or under the Linux Foundation umbrella was more about, okay, this is going to give more credibility to the code and the project itself. And of course, also helped to grow the community in the sense of people coming from other areas like uh, Son, like Gare, like Matt, people that we know that they have very valuable and very important things to, to share with us and help us to grow the project itself. So I think it's more about this sense of, okay, not being under Viterja, for us, it was like a commitment that we, would, we don't want. And that's one of the reasons we named them differently, that we have Grimoire Lab and Viterja Analytics. We want to make very clear Grimoire Lab is an open source project. Viterja Analytics is also an open source project because it's the same thing. I want to make clear it's not Viterja's. Of course, we are probably one of the main contributors to it, but we have many contributors from companies 
from people from Autodesk, Samsung, and people like that. It's, it's what we want, is to have that project as part of a community. So for us, what's the main benefit is to have you know, something like independent uh, part that would be something to make, help us. Can I just say, I also want to applaud Batergia for how much you advertise chaos and Batergia being completely separate entities. This idea that if Batergia were to just produce this in-house, you'd have this toolbox, but that toolbox may not fit as many communities. Whereas making the actual toolbox, making chaos a product by and for communities in their own right, allows you to connect hundreds and thousands of different diverse communities and serve them because that metric toolbox may not necessarily translate to every community and tell a story for those analysts unless those different communities and those analysts were contributing to the project as it stands. For Batergia to say, hey, our selling point is not we have an analytics system, it's we have a community developing analytics for a broadly diverse group. I just want to applaud that. Has been our commitment from the beginning of the project. And also to make it clear, is basically, as we said at the beginning and Valerio mentioned, okay, Grimoire Lab is composed by, by several uh, components and you can build even your own tooling on top of those components merged with your own technology. And we, have, we already have some people that is building their own community relationship managers uh, and things like that based on Percival or just sorting hat to know where people are coming from and, and things like that. And that's a, that has been part of the, of the beginning of the story that we want to have a healthy community of metrics developers. <laughs> and that makes a ton of sense. Uh, the diversity is the strength of the project. I know we've touched on this a little bit, but maybe we can get into a little bit more of the specifics on why people use it. So what, in a nutshell, like, is the goal of using Grimoire Labs? Or, and maybe some examples of, are there any great examples of people using it right now? Well, if I can take that probably from the, um, the beginning, and probably Ray, Ray can go deeply in his own use case, for example. For us, it has been like an evolution, even of the tooling itself. When we started, we, we started like, okay, we are in the open source ecosystem. So it was like, we were promoting this idea of, if you want to give transparency, you should be using these kind of tools to show what's going on the project. So the first use case you can think about are open source foundations that basically can use the tooling as one of the, like they are using the Git repositories to show, okay, this is our code. This is our tooling for collaboration, and these are our, our metrics about how the project is behaving in terms of okay, are we are we fair playing? All of all of the members are fair playing, for example. That was one of the first questions that people came to us. From there, it came to open source companies because they wanted to know not only or they want to know not only how they are developing software or how they are using software, but also how the software I am using, who is developing it. Or I need to know if I am contributing to these projects, I am leading those projects because I want those projects to achieve certain goals for myself as a company. That would be one thing. And now with open source program offices, it's more about, okay, I need to know how I am dealing with the communities I related with. Because it's not anymore, this is my company and this is my project. My project is related with many other projects. I need to go farther than just my project. I need to go how the ecosystem I depend on, how I make it sustainable. Because my sustainability depends on that. That's one, one of the things. And later, the use case we are seeing later coming more to Grimoire Lab and even to Viteria is about people that, is, okay, we are using Git. 
we are using GitHub or GitLab. We are using Slack. We are using a forum in our company. We are not doing open source, but I need to know how I am performing in terms of collaboration. I am creating some kind of silos of development, how my company internally is behaving, because the tooling is the same thing for open source, but also for internal development. And there are some people applying this inner source concept of applying open source methodologies inside the company. So again, it's not about the typical tooling about how I am performing or my productivity. I need to know more things about how I am creating a healthy community inside my company. And again, this is another use case that we, we know that we have also other support to GitHub Enterprise, GitLab on-prem, Slack and, and stuff like that because of that, because there were people willing to sponsor that development and that was nice. I think Ray can, can explain his own use case better than me. Before I get into Ray, like, are you telling me that communities span multiple channels? Like they're not just all siloed to each individual site we use? That's inconceivable, Manrique. <laughs> <laughs> Now, there are so, so many talks about that that you can see about that. <laughs> I mean, why would you want to have a forum, a mailing list, GitHub, an issue tracker? I don't know, maybe even Slack or IRC. <laughs> maybe you have a Discord, but oh, I don't know. Maybe you need uh, some kind of CDCI. Maybe you also need some kind of code review process. Open source projects are just messy. Don't forget <laughs> that social presence. And I call that the attention deficit advantage. <laughs> <laughs> but the, even to make yeah. it worse, to make it worse, if you think like that's for one project, but people usually contribute to not only one project. So they are participating in several ones. And by measuring the relationship of your project or your company with more than just the projects you know, is when you start guessing things like, okay, probably this is important for me. Just think that if the Best developers in your company start to contribute to a certain project and you are not aware about that is because they are that could be an interesting technology for you too. So it's like, okay, this is getting complex over time. <laughs> the thing that jumps out to me there is that you're not just measuring your community, you're measuring your community in the context of the broader community that you're a part of. And you're also able to see what other areas your community members carry an interest in. Yeah, when we did the first approach for that, we used the graph analysis to drive some kind of network analysis. And I think it was Diane Mueller from Red Hat who said, oh, this is a jellyfish chart. I need that for OpenShift because they want to know what's the relationship between OpenShift, Kubernetes, Uber projects and stuff like that. And it was like, they, we call that the jellyfish that's it, <laughs> the ecosystem. That's amazing. Yeah, so I'm glad uh, sarcasm can get us to like a, a very valid point that like communities are diverse and interconnected and multi-channel. So yeah, Ray, tell us a little about how you use Grimoire Lab. Yeah, I mean, I think I started working with Grimoire Lab community. I mean, Manrique, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we started working with each other probably like 2015. So probably like five years and it's like unbelievable how quickly the time flies. And I mean, this even predates my my time at GitLab. Back in 2015, I was working at the Linux Foundation and I talked to a number of different community managers in different open source communities about how they do metrics. And Grimoire Lab was the project that I was pointed to. And, and that's when I started engaging with Manrique and the rest of the team. I mean, particularly at GitLab, when I started almost two years ago, I mean, just like other open source community, we did have a set of metrics on a website called contributors.gitlab.com. 
I mean, there are a couple of things that were somewhat challenging about our old dashboard. One was it wasn't very visually appealing. It, it almost looked like a ranking chart that you see on like a college football or basketball. If you're, if you're a sports fan, you'll see a list of people that have contributed. You can, you can sort through number of contributions and ranks. And so first of all, it wasn't visually appealing. It wasn't graphical at all. So that was one of the challenges. And the other thing that I was really struggling with as a new community member at GitLab, like when I saw a name on the chart or on the list, like I couldn't really tell like which organization that particular contributor belonged to, whether this person was a GitLab employee or, or was a wider community member. So that was uh, pretty challenging. So a couple of the components that Manuki and Georg talked about, like Kibana for visualization and Sorting Hat for identity management. Those are like a two key components that were missing. And I mean, one of the things I started doing, I, I talked to a number of you know engineers at GitLab and even management about like we can try to improve the existing dashboard that we had at, at GitLab. I mean, it was based mostly on on the dashboard that Ruby community is still using, or we work with an outside community or a vendor to help us develop a set of metrics that's more visually uh, intuitive. Because, I mean, if you have a dashboard, even if it's public, if it's not visually appealing or like there is no like features for interactions, like even filtering for time frame or simple things like that, it's not going to be used very much because we wanted to maintain a public website that's easy for people to consume and use. So if you go to contributors at gitlab.com, you'll see a lot more visually appealing dashboard that we have thanks to the Grimoire Lab community and, and folks at Petergia. So it was sort of an easy sell within the company. Like we can spend our own time trying to re-architect the dashboard we have, or we work with, with somebody that has more experience working with other open source communities. And it was a, I mean, pretty simple decision. It wasn't a, it wasn't a hard sell for our engineering team nor the management to, to sort of make the switch. And makes sense. Think, makes sense. Yeah. So I think like the dashboard we had under kids, probably, we probably kicked it off like September, October timeframe in 2018. So almost two years. So yeah. So that's sort of the history of our dashboard and, you know, how we've been using it. I know Venia is a dashboard monster or fan or some sort of, word that makes sense in that context but uh Betty, what are your thoughts on dashboarding and I mean, dashboard monster i love that <laughs> yeah i mean as a, it's a compliment as a make, that, make that with her right <laughs> monster like monster truck rally like very impressive yeah. not like you know not like hiding in closets saying like ooh dashboards yeah i cannot sing your praises enough it sounds like what your company did was something that i find is difficult for my own clients to do is to start considering this data that's coming in as a report, so much of reports, where you have to dive in, you have to figure out what the context means. You have to piece together your community story. And you switched from that to something that Grimoire Labs and Petergia is capable of offering, which is viewing a dashboard as an actual dashboard, as in like a car. If you're going 75 miles an hour down a highway, you don't want to look at your dashboard and have to be like, okay, so it looks like these four charts are telling me I'm speeding. You're looking at it and the odometer reads 80 miles an hour, slow down a little bit. So it's kind of nice to see that that dashboarding has become efficient and capable enough for you to be like, all right, so here it is. Let's pump the brakes or let's accelerate a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I, the the challenge with the previous dashboard was that, I mean, I mentioned the term ranking, like, because, I mean, as a 
a lot of community managers would agree. I mean, you don't want to like focus on too much on who is doing like most activities, whether it's code or who is posting the most messages. I mean, you want to use a dashboard as to give you a sort of visualization of how the community is doing health-wise. Like, is is a contribution, you know, keeping a healthy pace? Like, you don't want to worry too much about, you know, are we increasing versus last month? I mean, that's interesting enough, but you want to focus more on in terms of are reviews happening in a reasonable time frame? Are like contribution activities uh, at a level that you're expecting? And you want to sort of use it as an indicator to give you guidance in terms of how your community is doing rather than focusing on like ranking and, and stack ranking individuals or activities. So yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. You want to use it as a, as a sort of a guidance tool to see how your, your community is doing health-wise. And, and also you want to make it public and interactive and interesting enough for even people outside of the community to see and with a reasonable amount of effort, get a sense as to how, you know, how active and how healthy the community is. Yeah, it's a really good point. I'd love to hear more as we move forward with your case study. Definitely. And another nugget I, I pulled out of your story, Ray, is the reminder that there was a really big trend for a while of like gamification. Like let's let's measure things so that we can stack rank people and encourage some to do some things and others to to try to catch up. And I think a lot of people learn the hard way as community managers that that sort of competitive analysis, it only encourages a certain sub-portion of the community and can be a detriment to others as people start to try to game the gamification and work towards some ends, even if it's not aligned to the community goals. So I love that you're trying to get towards dashboards that add like really meaningful value to your community, as opposed to, you know, just the stack ranks that fit a, a certain context of users. Yeah. And then, I mean, maybe this is not a popular thing to say in a, in a community that's, that's focused on metrics, but I mean, metrics aren't perfect. Like it's going to evolve. And it, I mean, that's why the chaos project is, is a valuable community because metrics aren't just set in place. Like it's going to improve or evolve over time based on your community needs. So yeah, it's, it's great to be involved in a community that's working with other kind of people that are concerned about metrics and how it's used. So yeah, it's been it's been fun seeing how our not only our dashboard but how the metrics evolve over time because open source communities evolve and 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 the needs evolve over time. Yes, and I think one of the questions that I think Ray has raised, I think, is quite interesting, is this idea of the of the life cycle of a metric. Uh, we know you put some like a static dashboard to the community forever. Like this is going to be the metrics. This is going to how we are going to measure this community. People will learn how to cheat the metrics because they are going to see, okay, they are going to figure out how to improve that metric. The way we have learned how to use metrics and what's the reason of using Kibana to play with the tooling and to visualizing the things is, is about the idea of customizing the metrics to the needs of the community each quarter or each year or each period that is important for the community or the project or the company itself. And basically, we are starting with this idea of using the goals question metrics approach that you're starting, okay, I have a goal or set of goals in our community. And, and those goals could be different from the managers to the companies to the individuals participating in the, in the community. So from those goals, you need to turn that into questions that you can answer with data, with metrics. And of course, that means that you cannot not only look at GitHub data, for example, because you are losing a big part of your community, a big part of people that is doing a very valuable, very valuable commitment to the project. 
and to the software development itself. Yeah, I so think... having that in, into account is okay. Let's put that in a way that can help people to answer the question to see if I'm reaching my goals. If it's not, I need to change the metric. And once I have reached the goal for that metric, let's change also the metric because you you need to adapt. And that's I think that's the key point here. I, I think that's a that's a great point from a technology perspective. Early in my career, I built systems that managed sales incentives for for a sales force and the algorithms and methods had to change every single year because salespeople figure out real quick how to beat whatever you're scoring them on and i'm just curious how i think chaos does a great job of focusing on community level metrics and not individual sort of stacking metrics and i wonder what kinds of choices are made in the design of the grimoire lab technology to prohibit prevent or at least create some kind of transparency around anything that might be used to measure an individual? First, the most obvious thing is basically you can decide which panels go into the public dashboard. Basically, the current implementation of Grimoire Lab is separated into public and private uh, systems. So basically, the manager or the administrator of, of the Grimoire Lab instance is able to, okay, this I have all the data, but I want to show only the data that is meaningful for the community. So if I don't want to create some kind of gamification, I'm not going to provide a ranking of people doing commits, for example. So I can hide that part because if I want that, I want that inside. That's one thing. The other thing is since GDPR and CCPA and all these things are coming now <laughs> into the normal thing, we are also building mechanisms to avoid, okay, we are not storing any, any uh, personal information. So it's basically everything is going to be hashed, even if it's coming from public sources. We don't want people to go there and just start looking at, okay, because for some communities, it's only a matter of, I only interested in the trends or, or the aggregated data. So I don't, and I don't need to put somewhere like this name of people is doing this, this kind of thing. So that's, that's something in place. And that's something that has implemented in Colton.io. This is one of the SaaS solutions we are now releasing as an open source project. So it's the next evolution of on top of Grimoire Lab that uh, we are we're willing to provide there too. But those are, are some simple things that we have decided. Yeah, as a technical curiosity, since Git logs store my identifying information organically, how do you handle that technically? That's very good question, Son. You are going for the hard questions, I know. <laughs> Not really. I, I want. I mean, I think it's it's actually helpful to the whole community to understand it because you're right. It's a GDPR problem yeah. that that we all face. Yeah, from the technical perspective, basically, if we are. Taking it, I mean, if you are using Grimoire Lab and gathering data and public it without any care or public those data without any care, probably you want to have some troubles because at some point, if you are merging identities of people across the different data sources that you not have advised these people we are doing this, it could be an issue. But I don't know. There are a lot of discussion about if you are using public data, it's going to be a problem. Or not. What we have done is to build all the infrastructure needed to ensure that if you don't want to do that, you are going to be able. At some point, it's basically you are not going to store any data that is not public. So basically, if you want to go back to the data and see, okay, where these people has coming from in terms of companies, probably you need additional tools to do that. But at least Grimoire infrastructure is ready to, if I want to avoid that kind of behavior, it's going to be possible. That's great. Thank you. It's taking some discussion also internally because, as you know, we are most of the cases you are dealing with, as you said, with GitLog. So basically, if only one person is committing to a repository, was the matter of anonymizing those data. And the, the question we have access to the lawyers and all these people is, at least if you are making the best efforts in the market to do that, 
okay, that, that's a good approach. Because if you are doing nothing, probably you are going to have some problems. But if you have done some efforts to do that, you have at least have some answers to these people. And I think one of the things about software work is unlike ordinary web surfing, there's no way on the Git command line to serve me up an ad. So <laughs> my personally identifying information has little value in the ad ecosystem. Yet. Yeah. Oh, that's a dark thought, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a terrible, <laughs> terrible thought. Valerio, as somebody who's, you know, implementing these really complex interrelated ideas, are there any, do you have any stories that come to mind or, or situations of like how you chose to write the software that are, would be interesting to somebody who may not be as deep in the code as you? So in Grimoire Lab, we have, in Grimoire Lab, we have different components. So let's say that the choice of uh, deciding uh, how much data to show it just left at the very end, so at the dashboard level. So we have the first step, so the collection process, try to, to collect everything you, you can, so anything possible. Then once we have this data in, in our, um, then we decide what we can filter. And this is generally based on use cases. So for instance, with respect to GitHub, at the beginning we were fetching just, we were just uh, showing the issues, and then we decided to to show also information about comments. So we went like a bit drill down into the data. And we did the same with Garrett, for instance. But in general, let's say that uh, the details of information we want to show, it depends on the use case we have. And generally what we try to provide in the dashboard is the minimum information. Then if someone else needs more data, we just adapt our tools to get uh, to show this data in the dashboards. I don't know if this answered your question. No, that makes perfect sense that you you don't do any premature filtering to make sure that you get the right information in the right place. So just to follow up on that, you, you said you're collecting all the information. And then Manrique said for GDPR compliance, there is some anonymization optional in here as well. And so I just thought that was really interesting because you can collecting all the information at the activity level allows you to do so much with the data i just i just wanted to point that out i don't i don't actually have a question here <laughs> okay ju just to give some more details in terms of anonymization of the data so in grimoire lab for every data source so i don't know github uh, issues git commits uh, the platform knows exactly where identity information is stored so for instance for git we are going to look for uh, the fields that are commit and author. For uh, GitHub issues, we are going to look for the author field. So we know how it is called in the REST API, so we look for this data. And we do the same for all data sources. So when we want to anonymize something, we have just to add a flag and say, discard this field, and we don't have this data. So then in the dashboard, we can just replace missing data with an hash. And this is basically that, the anonymization. But to do this, we have to know exactly where the data, the user, the personal data is stored. Yes, thank you for that additional information on how the anonymization works. That is really interesting. Well, we mentioned at the opener that, Valerio, that you are a mentor for Google Summer of Code participants. Could you maybe tell us a little about what that is for those that may be hearing this for the first time? Okay, yes. I'm a really big fan of Google Summer. So I guess it's the best program Google could create. And it's basically for a, a couple of months, you have uh, students working on, on your project. 
the good point is that they are really willing to learn and they are really uh, motivated to, to do anything possible in your project. So they can come with plenty of ideas and uh, they propose uh, workarounds, solutions, solution to something that you didn't know you, you have. So this is like uh, uh, what is Google Summer of Code. In terms of, of Grimoire Lab, this is, I think, is the third year we participate uh, in this program. So we propose some ideas and then we try to uh, include these ideas in the platform. For this year, we had like four. So one was with uh, the social currency metric system. So hopefully it will be a new development in, in Grimoire Lab. Then we have another idea about ProSol. ProSol is basically, it tries to push the metrics, the definition metrics to another level. So what Grimoire Lab provides now is a set of digested metrics. However, they don't show information about the whole project. So you have to dig into each metric to know the number of commits or the number of issues. But if you want to know if your project is performing well with respect to a dimension, you, you don't have this information. You have to dig yourself in the, into the metrics and then build your uh, model. So ProSol, what, what provides is basically a, a way to define your own quality model, then is tailored to the metrics you have in your system, so in Grimoire Lab. Okay, so this was uh, another idea of Google Summer of Code. It's clear you're passionate about the, the project and the mentorship of it. So maybe just take a step back and say, I heard there are four people that you're mentoring throughout and they're participating in different parts of the Grimoire Lab projects. And how long does that happen? So it starts, actually, I mean, the notification of Google Summer of Code start, is today. And then they will be working, the students will be working on the project until the end of the summer, until August, end of August. And, and then after this, there is like a, a summit with all mentors. And you meet all the mentors and you discuss about uh, open source and uh, the outcome of uh, Google Summer of Code. Uh, That's incredible. So yeah. for those listening, to timestamp this, it is May the 4th be with you today. You may be listening to this at a later day. And also, I think if you are interested in Chaos Cast, you are definitely the kind of person that should be interested in Google Summer of Code. Sounds like a really great program. And if you're looking for examples of how to do it well, I think we've got to give a hat tip to the Chaos Project as being a great place to be. And, and Valeria, thank you for mentoring students. I think you're growing the future of open source contributors. I, I would like to thank Valerio for the work he's doing in the chaos community and in especially in Google Summer of Code, just for fun. I was checking the metrics out comments in, in the GitHub issues that we have for, for chaos and for the Google Summer of Code. And it was amazing because usually we have around 200, 300 comments per month in our, in our GitHub repositories. And that's good. But in the last month, only because Google Summer of Code, we have around 800 comments and discussions about that. And it was mo mostly Valerio taking care of that. So the commitment he has with the community and with all the people coming to the project, I think first of all, is huge in the sense of the valuable of the Google Summer of Code itself. But also Valerio's commitment and helpful here, I think, is something to, to thank and again to, to congratulate. Because I know it can be hard to attend all these people coming from all these ideas. Oh, yeah, that, that whole... <laughs> Kate, Google Summer of Code uh, issue commenting load, I guess I would call it, is is big on the Chaos Project because we had so much interest this year. I just wanted to add, while we are praising Valeria's involvement, if you, dear listener, are asking questions about Grimoire Lab, then you will probably hear back from Valerio as well. 
So where can people go if they want to learn more about Grimoire Lab, if they want to connect and start using it? What are good places for our listeners to go to? Okay, so depends on the type of user uh, you are. So if you just want to use Grimoire Lab as a black box, uh, you can go to the main repo of Grimoire Lab. There we have uh, one getting started guide with a Docker Compose solution and, and the Docker solution as well. Uh, if you are someone that likes to code and uh, check the code, so you should go to the Sirmotred repository. There we have uh, a getting started guide for developers. So you will know how to install uh, the tools and you have like how to section and troubleshooting. Uh, and then for any other things, so just open an issue and uh, someone will answer. And I believe there's also an IRC channel on Freenode that you can find through the website, the chaos.community slash participate website. And also there is a weekly meeting for the Chaos Lab project where every week we get together to, you know, there's no agenda. We just talk about whatever is on our minds, get help, ask questions. And then I have two more resources that I would like to include in the show notes. One is a hero's journey story published on opensource.com about the history and evolution of the Grimoire Lab project. And the other is an easy to install guide on the chaos blog. A hero's journey. That sounds like a Joseph Campbell book. <laughs> it's some kind of heroes. I would, say I would like to thank Gare for some of those writings. But a couple of places that could be also interesting for you if you want to start playing with Grimoire Lab at some point, of course, one of them is, is as Valerio has said, in, in the Grimoire Lab repository in Chaos, you have a readme that has full installation instructions for if you want to use Docker or Docker Compose, that should be the new normal about how to install this complex infrastructure. But as Gerald has said, there was like a kind of hero's history about how to install these things and to make it easier. And we have play and set up some kind of solution to avoid any installation at all. So if you want to give some kind of sense of what's going on around Grimoire Lab, you can try cauldron.io. that has released for the public, I think, in January uh, 2020. As first release is the ChaosCon Europe. We announced that and we have in the last quarter like 400 users. So for us, it's like, wow, now we have how many people is playing with this. <laughs> So basically, it's about, okay, you have some place that you can, you don't need to play with Docker or the command line at all. It's basically, you go there, you put your GitHub repositories, you get some dashboards, and then you get the sense, okay, I can play with this, I can customize this. This is the, the, the service at the end. Because what we have learned from the hardware is basically most of the people were stuck on, on the, the deployment phase. Like, okay, we have like five, six components, how to deploy them easily because after 10 years of history developing the thing, it's not just, okay, you have one software and that's it all. It's basically, you need to merge identities, you need to deal with different data sources, you need to deal that some data sources could be not instantly providing you the data, you need to deal with visualization, you need to deal with many things that you need to orchestrate. So it's like, okay, let's go for Docker and see and all these cool technologies. And we are technical people, so we were like, okay, this is easy for us. We thought that it was easy for anyone. The hard lesson for anyone willing to play with this is there are people more normal than me, I would say, out there. <laughs> so build things for humans and make it easy. And that's the aim of Cauldron.io. 
That is a perfect, perfect way to come to a conclusion. Build things for humans. Humans may not be using all the tools that we are using. It's awesome. I recently checked out Cauldron as well, and it is really, really handy if you want to just get right to the point. But we're to the tail end of an amazing episode covering all the different ways you can gather metrics and use different tools involving Grimoire Lab. So we like to do picks at the end, which could be none chaos related. They could be very technical, whatever floats your boat. But what is your pick of the week? Starting with someone who's very familiar with this, Georg, kick us off. My pick today is incorporating the digital commons, uh, corporate involvement in free and open source software, which is a book written by Benjamin Birkenbein. And it's freely available on the internet as a PDF. It's a peer-reviewed Almost a little academic. No, it is definitely academic writing, but it it goes into the how community and corporate interests align and how they interact and has some interesting use cases that I just start to dive into this past weekend. And yeah, I think it uh, has some really interesting thoughts that I can recommend to others to read. Love it. Hey, Venio, what's on your pick list this week? Mine is a little bit less uh, technical and a little bit less useful, maybe. But I hope you don't mind me mentioning the horrible C word. But because of COVID and a lot of the ways that analytics have been used in popular media and things like that, I've been remembering a term that I use all the time. The truth is in the trend, the power is in the pattern. Because it's kind of difficult to remind yourself when you get into the weeds, when you start looking at the stats, when you start looking at all the analytics, your head starts spinning because you're like, is my data accurate now that the world has completely changed? But the reality is it doesn't necessarily need to be accurate as long as it's useful. So I've been focusing a lot on the truth is in the trend, power is in the pattern, a statement from Chris Mercer, measurementmarketer.io. And Manrique? Well, I have a couple of quotes I usually use in my slides and presentations that has been with me for years. <laughs> um, one is, of course, from Lord Kelvin about if you can't measure it, you cannot improve it. And it's, it's not all that you need to have all the data, but basically to start understanding what's going on there, you need at some, at some point some data to play with. And I remember being in, in community conversations, oh, okay, I'm going to use this tooling that is amazing for doing code review. Um, because we are going to be faster than doing code review through mailing lists. So I asked it, okay, how fast are you now doing code review through mailing lists? And it was like, mm, I don't know, but with this tool, we are going to be faster. And it was like, okay, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> but that's, that's the, the one of the main reasons that from technical point of view, you will usually think, oh, this tool is awesome, so let's go for it, and it's going to be more, much more better. And the other quote I use is from Edward Deming, that is famous for one of the industrial engineering point of view, because from management, he has created this plan, do, check, act cycle. So basically anything you need, you need to start by planning. But another quote that I love from him is basically without data, you are just a person with an opinion. I usually say opinions are good. Having an opinion is good. But if you have opinion, facts for that, I mean, data and facts for that opinion, it's going to be much interesting to discuss because it's not only thinking about, okay, this is my thoughts and this is my, my truth. Basically, this is the fact that is happening out there. That's the end of, I mean, Vitergy and Grimoire Lab at the end is basically provide you information that you can start building things on top. Very cool. Uh, moving on, Ray, what's your pick this week? 
Yeah, I I think you. I mean, this has already been covered by uh, by couple, like several people here in this podcast. And then, I mean, Matt, I think you mentioned it as well. I mean, metrics. I mean, shouldn't equal like gamification. I, I think is one of the uh, things you mentioned. And just want to stress, I mean, you want to use metrics. I mean, you need to understand the context and you want to use it to measure the health of the community. It's not just for the sake of measuring something and it's not just about ranking. And one of the books that I, I talk about a lot, this uh, came out, I believe, a couple of years ago, a, a great book from, I believe he's a professor of history uh, at a university in the U.S. The title is The Tyranny of Metrics. So I, I think it covers some of the things that, that we talked about. I mean, in this day and age, whether you're running a organization or a project, like you can't get away with not having KPIs or indicators. That's all important. But when you present the KPIs and discuss data, you want to be able to provide the context and talk about the background of why and how it's used. Uh, so that's a book that I talk about in a lot of my presentations. I, some of you may have heard me uh, talk about this book a number of times, but it's one thing I want to share. That's awesome. Hey, Valerio, how about yourself? Yes, I mean, my comment goes more or less uh, in the same direction of, of Ray. So basically, metrics are important, but um, you need to uh, contextualize them. It's difficult to evaluate uh, contributors just in terms of uh, single commits, because you can have uh, really tiny commits or really fat commits. So you should understand uh, not just the metric itself, but how the people contribute to your project. So this means that when you look at the data, you should also have an understanding of your community to see if you are not misrepresenting or misunderstanding the data you have. Well said. That is a very valuable, very valuable advice to anyone who's dealing with metrics. Definitely. Hey, Sean, how about yourself? Echo what Valerio said first off, the context matters a lot. And I wanted to give a little more technical plug to a project I discovered recently that uses a lot of different video cards for doing machine learning. And I think to the point that Venia made, there is a lot in the trend. And in software, identifying the trends is complicated. And I think becoming more complicated by the volume of information and raw data that we have. So having tools that allow you to do filtering of that data with machine learning using affordable hardware, I think is something, it's an important direction for the industry to go. And I think PlatML, I've been checking it out lately on some non-NVIDIA video cards and it's pretty good, very efficient. So I'll give it, that's a tech plug. I like it. And I like that it has a platypus as a logo with a little plaid on its chest. That's a must see in the show notes. Last but not least, my plug of this week is also technical, but a, a little bit more on the playful side. I recently upgraded my Linux laptop to Fedora 32, which came out in the last month, and it is really pretty. I know we've probably all said this at least once in the last 10 years, but I think 2020 might be the year of the Linux desktop. It's getting a lot smoother. It's fun to use, and you know, coming from a Mac user... I was able to install Homebrew, which is my preferred package manager, right away. Still working on some formulas to get it one-to-one with my Mac setup, but it's great to see. And that is a wrap for picks. Georg, why don't you bring us to a close? Excellent. Yes, thank you for joining us today. 
To stay up to date on future episodes, please subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have ideas for future episodes, topics, or, you know, just would like to come on as a guest, please email us at podcast at chaos.community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, your chaos community. Bye, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode with 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, their enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and next-generation network. Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com chaos.